You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. Let's start off with the cheers. Boys? (sighs) Yo, welcome to the 3AM podcast where we tell scary stories. I'm really excited for this episode. Uh, my name is DJ. My name is Charlie. And my name is Sean. Okay. So, <laughs> also, shout out to Made Ceramics. They made us mugs. She's a potter. Is that what you call them? Is that like your official <laughs> title? <laughs> that sounds right. I'm a potter. Anyway, she's a potter and she made us these sweet 3 a.m. mugs. They're pretty dope. Yep. So, shout out made ceramics go look her up on ig i love them i love them i love them i've been wanting to get a really cool mug for a while and start a collection so bro you 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 already Kicking there now dude uh <laughs> guys we ready for question time hell yeah brother so we posted again on instagram today asking all of you what questions you had for 3 a.m to kick us off though uh we do want to briefly cover one of the questions this is from Jenny Pants. I know you probably said this already, but I missed it. How do y'all know each other? Nice. First, I've been loving these questions. Yeah, they've refreshing. Been fun. Yeah. Because um, we sit here sometimes and we're like, uh. Anyone got a question? Have <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys? Um, <laughs> so it's really nice not to have to do extra work. Sean and I met uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, dude. Uh, we lived in the Philippines. Yep. And then after the Philippines, I moved in with Jordan, and Charlie was already living there, so I met Charlie through Jordan. Jordan and Charlie grew up together in California. Yep. And then I moved back to the States from the Philippines and started hanging out with all of them. So we we also met Jordan in the Philippines. Yep. Well, so yeah. Yep. I grew up with Jordan. The three of them met in the Philippines. DJ and I really met each other because we were both separately DJing at the time mm. in Utah. And Jordan knew both of us. And he's like, hey, my other friend DJs, maybe we should meet up. So we met up. 
we talked about classic hip-hop for a while and classic, i was like all right we're friends classic <laughs> hip-hop scary stories and simon and garfunkel yeah i remember that connected me and charles sean helped us to i think we were all interested in the outdoors but sean is like really pioneered that so and then we all loved scary stories uh-huh. and all bonded over that i oh man i actually found a video of us that could arguably be our first 3 a.m recording what dude when we went down to canaraville near saint george utah okay and we hiked these crazy slot canyons and waterfalls yeah we had a party of about 12 people this was like four years ago mm-hmm. and after we did the canyon we all went back to kevin's grandma's house where she had this huge basement we were all sleeping in and all 12 of us were sitting around we're like what do we do we're like, all right let's tell some scary stories so we told you told your classic one of the filipino the nanai yeah who's possessed oh yeah with the two missionaries <laughs> she knew their names yeah and yeah we all went around and shared some stories i, I recorded it that's cool <laughs> yeah. so i was watching that today like on video or my gopro i just recording. turned it on and set it down somewhere. okay mm-hmm. oh, okay no yeah 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 and becca told her story we have a friend named becca <laughs> and she told her story there and in hawaii yeah a few years ago when we all went to hawaii she was living there and she met up with us i had forgotten the story but i remember being scared and she told the story or she, before she started telling the story while we we're in hawaii we're all in my house we had a long day of hiking and the beach and good food, so we're tired. We're packed in. We're all laying in the one room with air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like seven people on the bed and six more all on the floor. Yeah, my little brother's room. And it was nighttime, it was dark, and we are all bundled up. And Becca prefaces her story with, uh, this might not be very good. Yeah. And then proceeds to tell the scariest story I've heard in my entire life. <laughs> Bro, it was creepy. So I have, again, forgotten the story. Not because it was bad, but it's just been a long time mm-hmm. since, you know. And we're on episode 51 right now. So we've gone through <laughs> hundreds of stories by this point. So trying to get in contact with her again to either tell us or have her on here for 3 p.m. or something. She's been but elusive. I know. She has been. She has been. So... Um, we'll get that story. It's yeah. a good one. Cool. I remember all, all of us trembling in fear, but that's how we all met. Sorry, we just went on a tangent. We all met. We were like super young twenties. We had like barely any uh, what's it called responsibilities. <laughs> we were running around being hooligans for like four or five years. We all lived together, staying up till three a.m. Literally just... every day. <laughs> no, yeah, there was a when I first started hanging out with them, I was. <laughs> Getting used to their schedule and way of life. And it was common to be staying up till sunrise every day. Six in the morning every day. Waking up at early afternoon, two or three. That's not early afternoon. That's afternoon. I never woke up after 12. That was someone else. Yeah, that was someone else. But uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that was our life and... It was exploring abandoned stuff, telling scary stories. Hanging out with friends. DJing. DJing a lot. And yeah. yeah. Bro, good times. Good times. Those were fun. Yeah, dude. All right. Got another one from Aiden dot underscore dot hatch. Huh. Who's that? <laughs> what are some of your favorite songs to blast in the car? Ooh. 
Sean. Recently, I've been on a folk music kick and have been blasting John Denver in the car. Just country road, Annie song. So good. Mm. There was a time we went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we were camping, and we did a whitewater raft. And by the time you're pretty zapped, you've been out in the sun all day. You've been stroking it so hard, you know, (laughs) in the white waters. And we get on a bus, and everyone's just quiet, and we're driving. And then the bus driver put on a country road, John Denver. And we were all just, by the end of the song, we were all just singing at the top of our lungs. Strangers as well. Like, yeah. It was full of just random strangers people. Strangers no more. Oh. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> but yeah, we were just going through the beautiful uh, roads of Wyoming, listening to it and just singing. And it was like, Everyone was like this is bus, a movie. Dude. I'm in a movie right now. This is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> just turn into a musical. Yeah. <laughs> United we stand. Yeah. Uh, I think all of us have been on a folk kick today. <laughs> Usually it's either... The uh, <laughs> the most obscure sounding uh, electronic music or just ignorant hip hop. <laughs> Everything's like you've seen vines or TikToks where there's like distorted bass. <laughs> like it's usually like supposed to be like a funny skit or something, but <laughs> that's like half our life. Like <laughs> just listening to that type of music. It's dumb. You know how uh, kids with ADHD take Ritalin to calm down? <laughs> And like a normal person, Ritalin would like make their heart rate go up or whatever. For some reason, music that should be played at like uh, sacrifices or <laughs> I, like I the, love the, list- the killing of people, like just calms me so much. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Same. Like I need music that makes me want to break the law. <laughs> just helps you focus and yeah. kind of bring it in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, dude. It's yeah, it's my Ritalin. All right, we got one from <laughs> Blonde Emily Rose. What is the best OG Pokemon? Alakazam. Okay, okay. So many scenarios. The first one that comes to my head, my head, my mind, <laughs> is uh, Arcanine. Dude, I loved Arcanine. It was dope. Or Dragonite. Okay, okay. Dude, I just liked Squirtle, War Turtle, and Blastoise. Mm. Who did you pick in your... I picked Squirtle. I was always Squirtle. Yeah. Always Squirtle. Hey. First time I ever bought a booster pack of Pokemon cards. Mm. My friend's mom took me and him to the mall. We went in. We bought it. This is the first time I bought it, and it came with 15 cards or whatever. Opened it up, and like the fifth card in is a holographic Blastoise. Damn, And I knew in my heart I was destined to be Water Tribe. Water forever. (laughs) Mm. everything <laughs> water everything water bender mm. there you go there that's you go. good i had to trade to get a hall of oil blastoise i traded a lot dude that uh, was one of the best parts though so <laughs> i think pokemon cards now that i think about it it's the first time that i was really into like artwork hmm. and you might think it's stupid because it's a cartoon but it's still like a piece of art art like somebody yeah. drew that it's an illustration so I remember just loving looking at the the colors and where the Pokemon lived in the card. And whatnot, <laughs> you, know? you want to know how dumb I am? What's in up? fourth grade, Alex M was like, "Bro, did you know that Pokemon are real?" <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, what?" And he's like, "Yeah, like in big cities like New York, Pokemon are real." And I was like, "What? <laughs> that is wild. They are." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Damn, that's crazy." I probably believe that for like six more years or something. <laughs> My that's first so artwork I, uh, I liked was Pogs, bro. Pogs are cool. 
big old slammers, dude, with yeah. like a skull on it. Yeah, <laughs> dude, Pogs is uh, '90s trademark for sure. But I like the I like that question. Yeah, we're, ge- question. we're Gen One Pokemoners. Yeah, uh, yeah, dude. Gen One or nothing. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> from Jordan Styles, what is your favorite thing that you own and why? What do you got? You have one already. <sighs> this has become more difficult for me over the last little bit because I got a bike for Black Friday for myself and I freaking love it. I just going biking. It's a dope bike. Yeah, dude, it's so sick. And with the weather getting warmer, it's perfect. Just going to zoom off on my bike. <laughs> do bicycle things, dude. My favorite thing that I own, my record collection probably. Dope. Dope. Uh if I had to pick a specific record, I have Kendrick Lamar's Damn and he signed it. Ooh. So I have it framed. Kung Fu Kenny. That's probably like there are other records I like more, but that's just that's dope. Kendrick yeah, signed it. My favorite thing I own is probably my laptop. Mm. Because of it, I've been able to have an income for the last five years and then create a ton of stuff. <laughs> there you go. So like without it, my life would be drastically different. But my second one, because like whatever, is actually my water bottle. <laughs> oh my god. And the way reason I got this is someone bought it for one of our friend's little sisters as a joke. Not sponsored, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> bought it for her as a joke, and she was like, I don't want this 64-ounce freaking hydro flask, and was going to throw it away. And I was like, uh, I'll take it. <laughs> and so she's like, are you serious? It's huge. And I was like, yeah, give it to me, please. <laughs> Child size? And they gave it to me. So I, I drink like four of these a day. It's like always with me. I love it so much. Keeps my water cold. Mm. Uh, right now, promo code 3 a.m. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Charlie is a real uh, hydro bro. Sick. Previously yeah. known as a, a water n- <laughs> <laughs> But shout out uh, Catherine and Starla. For for that hydro? Yeah, for my favorite thing. I see you do. My I've, favorite ting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I fully agree and fully disagree with the laptop. Let's hear Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> my laptop has given me my career as well, but is dead <laughs> dj's laptop couldn't run like minesweeper right now <laughs> i couldn't play the old school like 3d pinball yeah it'd be 2d yeah. <laughs> or no, two, yeah. it, no. <laughs> you get two dimensions yeah okay two more sure from basic target mom <laughs> if you had to live through any of the stories from the podcast that you've told which would it be and I'm also going to add in there that you didn't already live through if that's one that is a personal story. Probably the most traumatizing one. <laughs> Get it out the way. <laughs> yeah. I can do hard things. Is there anyone where they had a successful career and health insurance? <laughs> a large income? I'll take that one. <laughs> the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leah Hardy. Oh. With her mom. Oh, just running out into the darkness batty. with the shotgun. That's pretty hardcore. And before she runs out, she says, we can't afford to be scared. <laughs> I'm trying to get some life lessons. <laughs> yeah, <in here>. for <laughs> real. <laughs> but that's a good one. Yeah, dude. Mm. Uh, no, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> probably Muddy Buddy Cave. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably too mean. <laughs> I'll be the brother. <laughs> <laughs> My friend. <laughs> Oh, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> 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 
Um, recently, I would have liked to live through the uh, fear of more oh. because that would have meant that I actually got to go to Scotland instead of having my flights canceled. Something travel centric. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't know. Any one of them besides demons or rednecks. <laughs> Something with a cryptid. Yeah. 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 Something with the actual like. Doesn't end in you getting wrecked. Though. Monster. Yeah. I would love. It's actually been a lifelong dream to see Bigfoot. When I used to go on like road trips as like a five, six, seven year old, I would just stare out the window and be like, maybe I'll see him. Maybe I'll see him. That's me now. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so yeah, definitely one with a cryptid. I want to see one, but I don't want it to touch me. No. Like, I think you're cool, but I respect your distance. <laughs> you stay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Last one from Retro Staticrad. Oh, what's up, Retro? Where is a really scary place that you've gone or would like to go and visit? Scariest places I've been, I've talked about them before, the foothills near Visalia, California. Uh, There's a place out there called Three Cross where the KKK regularly meet and burn crosses. Um, There's a place where there was a massacre of school children by Native Americans, and you can supposedly see the spirits of children there. There is an abandoned barn out there, a graveyard, and Peacock Mansion. It is very creepy. And even if it's not like creepy by ghosts, there's meth heads running around and racist people. So, One of the spookiest places I've been is Superstition Mountain in Arizona. All the crazy stuff that goes on there. Like nothing happened, but like the thought of the things that had happened, a.k.a. the Apaches killing people prospectors killing each other all in search of the lost dutchman's treasure Mm. i would also like to go back there and find that gd treasure changed my life the dutchman's treasure (laughs) plastic sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry uh sean you've been to ted bundy you've been to ted bundy's house yeah yeah i didn't think it was scary though yeah it was just kind of dumpy ted bundy lived for a while in salt lake city and you can actually visit his basement and he had like a kill cave out in the foothills you can go visit mm-hmm. plus so that, i was with a girl when i was going so i'm like trying to be brave she's like this ain't scurry dude tinder dates for 500 <laughs> um i haven't been here i'd like to through the process of attaining dominion and influence the bohemian grove Ooh, not haunted but very within our boundaries the bohemian grove is known for gatherings of large powerful leaders in the world (laughs) uh dignitaries princes presidents presidents Mm -hmm. past presidents Mm -hmm. current presidents and up until recently relatively recently was considered a conspiracy theory and not true, but we found out it is. <laughs> it's yeah. a good one. Skull and bones. Do, do you, were you going to go a bit more background? No, that's it. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. Um, the world elites meet there, and what they discuss is not known, but most likely how to run the world <laughs> and control all of us. And like I said, it was considered fake and conspiracy until Alex Jones... I know that's kind of a inflammatory name. A very uh, credible source. <laughs> but him and some other dude like went up the river and filmed the whole procession. And they filmed all of them doing 
they burn an, an effigy of Malik, the owl god, mm-hmm. and they're all standing around in robes chanting at it. And he filmed all that. And I was like, see? It's <laughs> definitely a strange thing to do. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> sus. <laughs> it's a little strange. But yeah, that's Bohemian Grove. Look it up. Okay. Now we got a bunch of good questions this week. I saved some. We're going to be using those over the next probably two weeks because there's a bunch of questions there that we didn't even get to. Great. But anyways, time to roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 14. Roll that in your hand. Good. Four. Six. So that's me, then Charles, then Sean. Okay. This story comes from Jerry. Oh, shout out Jerry. Jerry said that this happened 2 years ago in Virginia and is also the reason I never backpack alone anymore. Ooh, okay. So, Jerry is in school taking a couple courses during the summer. June hits, things are really warm and he's excited to explore Virginia, see what it has to offer. Three-day weekend's coming up, so he's looking up all these different national and state parks for him to go and explore, and he finds the one he wants, and it's on the Appalachian Trail. So he's getting really excited. He decides where he wants to go, or at least a general area, and he decides he wants to stay three days and two nights all by himself. He lets his roommates know, lets his family know where he's going to be and when he should be back. Most of the time he's out there, there's going to be no reception. So when he arrives, it's a three-day weekend, so it's busy. There's a lot of people there. He stops at a shop on the trail that a lot of people hiking can stop at on the way. And um, this old man is running it. Really nice. He gets to talking with him and um, asks for some suggestions. And the old man says, yeah, there's this actually really nice waterfall and swimming hole that you can go to. And not a lot of people know about it. It's more of like a local thing. So he's really stoked. So he decides to change up his plans a little bit and go there first. It's a little bit of a detour. 
he uh, buys a map since he won't have uh, his phone. Pays for it, says thank you to the owner of the store, and he heads out. So on the trail, he's walking, and there's a lot of people for the three-day weekend, families, just being in nature, being outside, enjoying the warmth. And uh, he gets closer and closer to this waterfall, and it takes him off of like the main trails. So as he gets closer, he sees less and less people. And he's excited for that because he just wanted to kind of be alone. Thankfully, the people he's met along the way are, are really nice. So he's feeling really good about this. And finally, later that day, he gets to the waterfall. It's a pretty cool waterfall. He thinks it's good enough for him to go swimming in. So strips down, jumps in, cool and refreshing. And after he's done, he steps out. He starts drying off, starts putting on his clothes. While he's putting on his clothes, he feels an overwhelming sense that he's being watched. He, what do you do in that situation? Well, immediately start looking around. He looks around, he doesn't see anything. I kind of continue as if nothing's happening, but my ears are perked. I'm listening hardcore. I almost don't want to alert them that I'm like aware. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good point. I don't want to give off that I'm scared. Otherwise, they already have control. And I definitely, if any time I do get scared, depends on where I'm at. But I try to get my back up against something. You know what I'm saying? To like make sure I have my shoes on. Probably shoes first. That's good. That's smart. Tie them tight. <laughs> so that's exactly what he does. He decides to carry on. Because at that point, it's just a feeling. Nothing's really manifested itself. And Sean and I, sorry, Sean and I have talked about this before, but anytime I'm out in the open and I get weird feelings, immediately I'm scanning the ground for hand-sized rocks. Oh, yeah. Something to use as a weapon. Yeah. I'm going to go tonging on their ass, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for coconuts. <laughs> he feels all right. Um, while he's hiking... For some reason, I guess it's because he watched the movie recently or it was, it's was it been stuck in his head, but he's whistling while he's hiking. Whistle while you work. Um, and he's whistling Chill Bill. Ooh. Oh, okay. Which is a fun little tune. <laughs> he's whistling Chill Bill. Sean, can you do it? That's all I got, dude. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's perfect. Dude, the that's- dopest part is... I know. <laughs> Gets all symphonic with no, it. Um, but uh, he's whistling. Even though it feels like he's being watched, it's still like, really beautiful out. Sun is shining. Birds are chirping, almost like singing with him. And he's he's still enjoying his time, but he's he's a little cautious, you know. So he's just whistling, just trying to stay in his groove that he's in. He continues his hike to his campsite. He gets to the campsite. It's later in the day, and he sets up his tent, starts a fire, and he has some food that he's brought with him. He's prepared with his pack for three days, you know. And as he continues setting up camp and going throughout the day, this feeling of being watched is growing on him and It's getting to the point where he can't think of anything else, but he continues to just kind of, you know, entertain himself, talk to himself, keep himself sane, and whistle Chill Bill. (laughs) And while he's whistling, and while he's making dinner over the fire, he thinks he hears a second whistle. 
that's whistling the same tune as him. Oh, no. So he stops, and when he does, all the noises in the forest disappear. Birds are gone. It's almost as if he can't hear the fire either, crackling. There's no wind. There's no leaves crunching. No animals. It's just him and the sound of silence. And this worries him, but still nothing's manifested itself. So he, he carries on. And this happens multiple times where he is whistling and he hears somebody whistling too. Can't see anything. And then everything goes silent and then everything goes back to normal and he carries on. He ends up going to bed with, without incident. Feels fine. And he's just like in a tent or something? Yeah, he's in a tent. Still by himself. Hasn't seen anybody. Which, no news is good news. He wakes up in the morning. And what he saw made him decide that his trip was now over. <laughs> that he's going to head home right now. He said that he unzipped his tent and his entire campground was trashed. He said that his camp stool was nowhere to be found that he had by the fire. His bear bag with food was cut, not bitten, but cut with a sharp object. You might think that this is maybe an animal, but the contents, the food of the bear bag was spread all over, just trashed all around the camp and the food wasn't touched. And lastly, footprints Uh. all over the campground in the mud. No shoes. Uh. Bare feet. Damn it. Damn it. About five or six miles from where he started. So that shop, you know, in the parking lot and all the, the families and whatnot. He didn't hear any of this commotion happening while he was sleeping. He slept right through it, which was a little more terrifying. But yeah, through that, he decided that this is it. So he starts to pack up, and he starts to pack up fast. So he's grabbing everything he can, and he's stuffing it into his bag, not caring how it's packed. (laughs) (laughs) He's just trying to get out as fast as possible. And while he's packing, in the trees all around him are whistles. Oh, shit. And they're all whistling Chill Bill. He can hear this. And he's scared to look, but while he's packing, you know, he doesn't stop while he hears this whistling. He glances up really quick while he's packing, looks around him really fast, and he doesn't see anything. But this whistling's getting louder, and it gets to the point where it's almost in his ear, and it's deafening from what he describes. And it pisses him off. He stands up, and he turns around, and he says, shut up. What the hell do you want? And immediately after, he hears, shut up. What the hell do you want? In his exact same voice. So he turns around, finishes the last couple things, stuffs it into his bag, and sprints back home. He makes it safely, and he tells his roommates, and they tell him, bro, we were excited to go camping with you this summer. But that's not going to be a thing. (laughs) That's not, we're not doing that anymore. (laughs) But that was the story of Jerry Summer in Virginia and why he doesn't go camping or backpacking alone anymore. 
Dude, I can just imagine the symphony of Chill Bill coming in around you from all of the trees. That would be so horrible. He described it as sinister. The whistling that morning, he said it was sinister. And I don't like that. Whenever there's an interaction of like cat and mouse or like a power, like a flex. Like getting toyed with? Yes. And when you realize the dynamic and you're... I, I don't know. That's so chilling to me. Like my fear is somebody's enjoyment. Y- yes. And they've orchestrated this to like get a maximum amount of fear out of you or show you that like you're in our game. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. That was a terrible way of saying it, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost like you're, you're just subject yeah. Yeah. to whoever is in actually in control. Yeah. Feels which is, like. Which is creepy because it could just be, you know, a harmless joke. Or something way more sinister, you know what I mean? Well, the fact that even on the second time where he told it to shut up, it repeated what he said in his same, like... Same voice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> we don't We don't have a lot of... Uh, we have a few mimic stories. So it's been a while since we I, I've had a... And story. I don't remember the other mimic stories terrorizing in, like, the toying with them either. Mm. I remember the one with... The dog in Maine. Is that on episode one through three? No. I don't think so. Okay, good. There's an episode, I think, called Maine, and she takes her dog out there. Her family owns a cabin. Dogs have to go and pee in the middle of the night, and they're in the bush, so it's pitch black, middle of the night, family vacation. Everyone's sleeping. Dogs are yapping. So she's like, I'm going to take him out, and they she steps out on the front porch. can't really see anything. Dogs go out, and then don't hear them, and she says, Alfie, where are you? And then she hears a voice from the forest right back. Alfie, where are you? Mm. Freak, dude. Nope. I would just <laughs> die myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that happened, I would almost laugh about how terrifying. I have a weird reaction when, when things get really bad. It just makes me laugh because it's so it's like- insanely bad. <laughs> and so if that happened to me, I'd probably just start laughing. Because of how stupidly scary that is. <laughs> and then it just laughs back at me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"No." laughs> Yikes, dude. Uh, I don't envy that. No, definitely uh, not. To answer your question, that's not one of the scenarios I'd want to live in. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Seems there's like the Appalachians, there's just a lot of hanky panky <laughs> going on. A lot of monkey business. Yeah. Rascals, dude. But that's it for me. Ooh. Dope. Nice. Is that me? Yes, sir. Uh, Your story kind of reminded me of something. This person said that they were visiting their cousin who was like not a forest ranger, but she was out there to study like streams. So they were testing a lot of water and stuff like Uh, that. Stream scientist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think this is in like Wyoming and this is hundreds of miles away from like large towns. They're lots, way out there. Lots of streams out there. Dude, just streams on streams. Yeah. <laughs> and so they hike out. They're testing all these stream levels and doing that. And he's just kind of watching his cousin do her thing. Uh-huh. And she turns to him and they're about to pack up. And she goes, hey, do you want to see something weird? And he goes, obviously yeah. intrigued. Yeah. Like any of us would be. Sure. <laughs> he's like, sure. So she lifts her shirt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So they turn and start hiking, 
and they hike for like two more miles away, like even further, right? Okay. Come up into this meadow, large rocks, trees, and right in the middle of this clearing is a desk. And on top of the desk is a lamp. And she walks over to it and just turns the lamp on. And he said a, a cord came out the back of the lamp and into like a PVC pipe and just into the ground. Whoa, that's that's wild, actually. Uh. That reminds me of the stairs. It does. But but a more complete home. <laughs> he looked at her. She looked at him. She, and she was just like, I have no idea what this is. And there, they weren't around any building, any power source. They are 50 plus miles away from any buildings. You know yeah. what I mean? Whoa, that's no wild. answers, nothing. I don't like that. That's weird. That ain't, that <laughs> makes me excited more than scared. <laughs> Intrigued, right? Yeah, yeah, me yeah. Too. It's like breadcrumbs we can follow. Huh. Cool. All right. So for me tonight, I had a lot of fun with my bonus story from last week, the Hinterkaifeck murders, and so I wanted to continue to kind of same vein and do some historic travel around the world stuff. Cool. Hit okay. It. All right, so for our first one, I'm going to take you to the Hauska Castle. And that is like north of Prague, so like Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. which to me could possibly be one of the scariest places on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern Europe, Eastern Europeans. This castle was constructed in the second half of the 13th century. Super old. And this castle is weird and strange for many, many reasons. So I'm going to go over some of them. So it is a bohemian fortress. It was built with no fortifications on the outside, which was odd for that time. What do you mean? Um, So all castles had some sort of defenses, right? Like castle walls? Thick walls. A moat. Possibly moats, arrow slots, things like that. Any type of like defense. I see. It's kind of in a terrible location to defend. Yeah. A lot of castles are high up on hills, so you have like natural defenses, right? Yeah. This one is terribly located. It's like in a valley. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone can <laughs> they see have the into lower it. ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this castle was built with no water source. This castle was built with no kitchen. This castle was built not near any trade routes. Why the hell was this castle built? And at the time of completion, when they finally finished it, it had no official occupants. Okay, so. Like I said, it was basically built in a useless position and location. Mm-hmm. The weird part and the chilling part to me is upon entering the castle, if you were to look around and if you were really to notice and take heed of the construction, you would realize that the castle is inverted. Like upside down house? Not quite upside down. Inside out? All fortifications... Are on the center. Are on the inside of the castle. Mm. So prison? So the arrow slots are made to be shooting into the castle. Whoa. The thick part of the walls are all on the inside of the castle. And it is because this castle is built upon a Slavo-Germanic pagan ritual site. And at the center of this castle is a hole known as the gateway to the hell. The devil's butthole. <laughs> known as the gateway to hell. (laughs) So in the middle of this castle, there's a hole. What legend has is so deep, no one has ever seen the bottom of it. It's a super deep hole. These grounds that it was built on is known for thousands of years to be haunted. And for this hole, like 
I said, to be the gateway to hell. There's been incidences and stuff throughout history of people seeing animal slash human hybrids crawling out of the hole at night. They've seen dark winged figures flying around in the trees at night as well near the hole. And so this castle was basically built to guard this hole and to keep the demons in hell. And at the time, the Bohemian king would take prisoners on death row and he'd say, I'll pardon you if you do something for us. We're going to lower you into the hole as far as we can. And if you tell us what you see, you're free to go. So in the beginning, a lot of prisoners took this deal. Very first prisoner. This is the story that's been told. Very first prisoner they do. Tie him up to a rope and they start lowering him down and they see the top of his head disappear into darkness. They lower him for a little while more and then he screams out bloody murder as if he's being murdered. So they quickly pull him back up and they said right when he comes back into sight, it looked as though they pulled up a different man because the man they pulled up looked 60 years older. His hair was completely white. He had wrinkles on his face. He was old, decrepit. That's like the well. Somebody told the story of the well. That was, wasn't that you? <laughs> I think I told the story of the well. No, I don't know. I can't remember who told it. <laughs> it wasn't me. I can't remember. But, but it sounds familiar. And yeah. They brought him right back out and he was Hell's white hair and stuff. Yeah. And he was a teenager <laughs> when they lowered him. I mean, it could spark from here. This is a super old place. That's cool. Yeah. It's creepy because, I don't know, it's just this creepy castle built out in the freaking forest of Prague. Is it still there? Like you can visit yeah. it today? So I'll show you some photos. Cool. That's the real escape room. That's the OG escape room. So let's find a good one of the castle. This is the castle. It's beautiful. It's in this lush green forest. Kind of looks like, a, who is it? Lord Aaron. Who's his mom? Game of Thrones. I know what you're talking about. They live in like the cliffside, huge tower castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind, of, uh, kind of. Yeah. Is that the hole? This is the gate to hell. If you had it's a beautiful hole. the choice of your freedom, would you lower yourself in? Yeah. Okay. Like, why not? It's that or death. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I'm going to rot in a cell for the rest of my life. Or yeah. go in a hole. Or just age 60 years, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. I thought that was creepy. And when they realized they're looking at it and it's inverted, that just like gave me chills. Like these people were so convinced that evil came from here. They built a whole GD castle to like. <laughs> I was going to say, in. how paranoid do you have to be to expend that much resource on the most like in the most useless location? Yeah. And yada, yada. <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of the movie The Nun. Oh, yeah. The one that could have been so much better. I know. I've never seen The Nun. It's like decent until halfway I turned it off. But yeah. Sean finished it. Wow, brave soul. Yeah, dude. But it is kind of like this. It's like an old <laughs> monastery like out in Prague. Yeah. And yep. this guy, there's been like weird reports of disappearances. So this guy has to, he's sent by the church to go investigate. And he goes out there and he realizes that these nuns have been religiously like keeping a demon trapped in this castle for thousands of years. Yeah. And then like one of them got bored. So let it out. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But like concept, I say good concept, poor execution. I feel like it's almost based off this. It could be because dude. of how like similar it feels. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I th- I was reading that today and I thought that was creepy. That's fun. No, honestly, they should make that an escape room. 
No, seriously, like let people in and they're like, you have 12 hours to get out. Uh, I like escape rooms. Same. I've done some all over Utah, like in three separate locations. I've had fun at each of them. But I went to LA once. Sean was there. Oh, yeah, dude. And we did this escape room in Hollywood. And the production was so good that nothing has come close to it. So it started by us coming in. They explained the rules. We signed all of our stuff. They took our cell phones. And then they walked out with inmate get up. <laughs> like an inmate jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, everyone get in one of these. So we all get in. Then they have handcuffs. <laughs> Whoa. Put us in handcuffs. And like all of a sudden the mood changed. The lady who was super nice like became the guard and like threw us in the cells, locked the doors. And we were in like legitimate cells. It felt like. Yeah. At one point we had to move the toilet to like get a piece of clue behind the toilet to like unlock it was so dope it was really well done like the production was so high it felt like we were actually in jail it was cool that's that's really awesome uh the last place that i worked at we had like a team bonding activity and everyone voted escape room so i was excited because i also like escape rooms and we uh we met at a park and i was like why are we at a park and (laughs) we have our barbecue we have food everyone's hanging out and I hear this loud, and I turn around, and it's this dinky truck with a trailer in the back, <laughs> and it's a portable escape room. What? And I was like, man, they really nailed this. Like, I don't want to be in there. <laughs> a someplace I actually want to escape. Yeah. Escape the situation right now. Yeah. So... Uh, it took us 45 minutes to get out. Dude, if you, if you have anxiety, like every <laughs> meeting is an escape room, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know. It's true. <laughs> I was like, man, y'all really stiffed us on this <laughs> team bonding activity. <laughs> that thing probably costs like, <laughs> that dude is probably like, I'll pay you to get into <laughs> to my trailer. Yeah. <laughs> get into my trailer. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, you ready for the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that last one, I got most of my stuff from someone that goes by the name of B-I-N-C-H 101 and Wikipedia. Binch. Binch 101. 101. <laughs> and Wikipedia. So shout out Wikipedia. Donate if you can. <laughs> <laughs> and this next one I got from historicuk.com. So obviously we're going to the UK. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, dude? All right. December 26, 1900. Hmm. Captain sets sail in the northern seas north of Scotland, and he's headed to the Flannan Islands. Flannan Islands. F-L-A-N-N-A-N. So just so you see where those are. Some tiny little Scroll islands. Scroll down on the left menu. There they are. <laughs> so this captain sets sail. He's headed to the Flannan Islands. And these islands, just to describe them, they're pretty sparse. There's not much on them. At one point, someone built a chapel on them. Farmers would sometimes take their sheep out there to graze, but they would never stay the night because these islands were known for being haunted by spirits. Why would you take all that time to go and take your sheep on a boat? I don't know. But it, the, the way they like put it, it sounded like it was kind of a regular thing. Like shepherds would routinely take their sheep out there, let them Swear graze. the grass is good. Yeah, I guess. Maybe they just needed to get away from... <laughs> get away from it all you know (laughs) 
And this island is completely uninhabited, except the lighthouse keepers. Okay. So for years and years and years, there have been lighthouse keepers that stay, and it's usually three people, and they follow a pretty strict routine, and every, every so often when their term is up, a new crew comes. And so this captain is actually sailing there to relieve the current lighthouse keepers and introduce the new team, right? So they land on the dock, which is this like stone platform and super steep steps up the side of this mountain. And instantly the captain knows there's something wrong because the team should be down there to greet them. They've been scheduled forever to do this, right? As they're walking up the steps, the captain is in front and the replacement team is behind them. Later, the replacement team would say that as they ascended the steps, a strong feeling of foreboding came over all of them, and they couldn't explain it. They get up the steps. They approach the cabin near the lighthouse. Another red flag. The door is unlocked and slightly ajar. They go in. They open the door and immediately see two jackets missing from the three jackets. And these jackets are super important. It's super cold there. It's December, North Scotland, in the sea. And these jackets are coated for water, so they're waterproof. So you cannot leave the lighthouse without them. Or it's really ill-advised to do so. So he sees two of them missing, one still hanging there. Goes inside, and in the kitchen, he sees a plate of half-eaten food on the table, an overturned chair as if someone stood up quickly to leave, and the clock on the wall that has stopped working. So they search the whole premises, looking for these guys. No one. They can't find any of the lighthouse men. So... They know something's wrong. Something's up. They send a telegraph to the mainland, and I'll read you what they say. A dreadful accident has happened on the Flannans. The three keepers have disappeared from the island. On our arrival there this afternoon, no sign of life was to be seen on the island. Fired a rocket. No idea what that means. But no response was made. Managed to land more, who went up to the station, but found no keepers there. The clock was stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliff, drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that. Night coming on, we could not wait to make something as to their fate. I have left more, McDonald, Bowie Master, and two seamen on the island to keep the light burning until you can make arrangements. Will not return to Oban until I hear from you. I have repeated this to the wire in Mirrorhead in case you are not at home. I will remain at the telegraph office tonight until it closes, if you wish to wire me. Anyway, he sends his telegraph off to the mainland. They receive it. They're concerned. So they send someone over to investigate. Upon investigating the lighthouse, the first thing they realize is strange is the lighthouse log. So the lighthouse log is supposed to be left in the lighthouse and it's supposed to be used strictly for work purposes. If any accidents happen, if they need any supplies, it should all be logged here, right? But the few days prior to the men's disappearance, they started using this log almost like a journal. And the entries go from pretty mundane day stuff to frantic, scared things at the end. So they read the log. And on the 12th of December, the second assistant at the lighthouse, he wrote, severe winds like the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He also noted that James Ducott, the principal keeper, had been very quiet, and that the third assistant 
had been crying. So they talked about how a, a storm had come and it was so bad. It freaked them all out. They hunkered down. And this super seasoned, uh, he was known on the mainland as a brawler, super tough guy. It was so bad it brought him to tears. So he's bawling. On December 13th, the log states that the storm is still raging. All three men have been praying tirelessly through the night. They've been praying for the storm to stop and that they might make it through safe. What's weird is the lighthouse is located 150 feet above sea level, level, like on this cliff. So there's no, like they would know there's no real reason for them to be scared, right? And the final log entry made is on the 15th of of December. And all it says is, storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. So it seemed like things ended well. Yeah. Right? Like from the logs. Yeah. But it sounds like they got scared because this terrible storm came and it was so bad it like made these seasoned hard dudes crack. But by the end of it, it sounded like it it was over and they were good, right? Yeah. So in their investigation, there's an island that's pretty close, right? They go over there and talk to the guy and says, have you seen anything? Do you see? I've seen nothing. And they talk to him about the log. And they say, well, di- how did you fare during the, the crazy storm? And he goes, there's been no storm here for like a month. <laughs> so according to him, he saw no clouds, no rain, nothing over the island. And he's experienced like perfectly fine weather the whole time. So I'm just going to tell you some last clues. At the dock, there's rope that was all over the dock that's usually kept in a box. Yeah, rope box. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because the bodies should have washed up on shore if they truly were cast into the water. They've never found bodies. They've never found clues. Two jackets were gone. One remained, and there's no way any of those men would have left the cottage without a jacket. There's strict, strict rules that all three of them are not to go out together at the same time in case one of them is thrown over overside, right? So the fact that all three of them left means something wrong. So they stayed there for a couple nights. They did their investigations, nothing. And the new team replaced them. Wow. And since then, on the island... Numerous occasions, people report hearing whispers in the wind. And all the whispers say is it's calling the name of the three men who disappeared. Uh, I don't like that. That's the Flannan Islands. That's the lighthouse. Well, that's like the movie, The Lighthouse. Bro, that movie was well done. That was such a good movie, but an example of a good movie that I probably will never see again. (laughs) It was a little tough. To follow sometimes. Yeah. But it was really well done. But it's an it's just like the island of the lighthouse. But that's what I was on. thinking about the whole time yeah. he's telling the story. Makes them too. go mad. That cabin fever, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. That's a trippy job to have, dude. It is. Just pure isolation. Keep the light burning. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. You could that's a lot of time <laughs> to just get in a headspace that <laughs> Can be really unhealthy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's true. We're actually currently all watching a TV show together called Alone. Hey. <laughs> Guys, this show is so cool. If you I'm need something to watch show. during, uh, I don't want to say quarantine time, but. <laughs> season one and two is on Amazon. And then the rest of the seasons 
are on Hulu. And it's a game show. They throw 10 wilderness survivalists into the wilderness to survive. And they each get to bring uh, 10 items with them. And they have like a radio to call in when they are ready to tap out. And the last one to come home gets the prize money. So it's really cool. They've been in uh, Patagonia, which is one of the most remote places in the entire earth. They've been in Vancouver. There's an island where it's the most reported like cougar attacks in all of North America. <laughs> On Vancouver Island. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a season where they're in Mongolia. It's, it's cool. It's cool. All of them have different backgrounds. Some people are good at trapping animals. They do that for a living. Um, some are hunters. Some are not experienced in that at all, but they know like their plants and their herbs really well, and they yeah. survive off of berries. And it's wild. It's cool. But what's what's like super awesome about it is the whole crew, the t- camera crew, roll up, drop them off, and then leave them completely alone. So they have their own camera. They're supposed to document everything, and these people are alone. And they sign a contract for a year in case the game goes on for a year. And like the main thing that gets people, obviously some people leave because they get hurt. Some people leave because they, you know, get cold exposure. But most of the time, what really gets these people is the fact that they're alone and what happens to their mental state. Mm -hmm. So you watch them day one, day two, they're just full of life and happy. (laughs) Day four, day five, they're hungry, but it's fun. These are people who love the outdoors. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And then after like 30 days, all of them just have this look in their eye <laughs> of like quiet desperation. <laughs> yeah, it's the last place they want to be. And it's, it seems like it's worse for the people who have families and children. Oh, yeah. Because that's yep. all they can think about, which is natural. But it, it feels like the people who are single <laughs> have it that much better because they don't have to worry about taking care of their husband or their wives and their children. So, yeah. Definitely a good show, a must watch. But the effects of being alone, very interesting. Mess mess with you, yeah. So I couldn't imagine being in a lighthouse with no internet, <laughs> some two smelly-ass dudes who you barely know. <laughs> it's freezing, you're eating gruel, and you're hearing whispers in the wind. I, I would rather <laughs> be alone. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate escape room, dude. <laughs> but yeah, that's me tonight. Cool. Thanks, cool. man. Cool. Well, I got a couple stories for us tonight. Close us out, man. All right. My first one. The year is 1947. In the Indian Ocean, all of the ships that are sailing around Malaysia within a couple hundred miles hear an SOS signal transmitted to their ships. And it's coming from a ship called the Orang Madan. And... The SOS signal is coming through Morse code, and it says the captain and all the officers are dead, suspect that all of the crew is dead as well, and then it stops. And there's like all this gibberish Morse code that comes through. It doesn't mean anything. And then finally, a second code comes through, and it simply says, I die. And that's it. It's heard by all the ships that are in this area. One ship, the Silver Star, an American ship, is the first to respond to the signal. There are coordinates. Like, they know where the signal's coming from. Yeah, they know where the signal's coming from. Yeah, yeah. So the ship, the Silver Star, 
is the first on site to the Orang Madan. Once they get close enough to see the ship, they notice that there's really nothing wrong with it. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with the ship. It seems to be in good condition, but they can't see any crew. Like, there's no signs of life for them to see at all. So they prep the boarding party. They pull up alongside the Orang Madan, and the boarding party comes on board, and what they see is horrifying. They see all of the crew out on the uh, decks, just dead. And the way they describe them is the crew is wide-eyed, open-mouthed, as if they died of fear. So they continue to search the ship, and all they find is this crew is dead all throughout the ship, wide-eyed, open-mouthed. They find the single dog that was on this ship also dead. But with not a st- the doggo, what the hell, <laughs> dude? Whatever it was, <laughs> the dog had a snarl on its face, as if it was like angry at something. And now all the crew as well, like they've already had rigor mortis set in, and so their arms—it appears like they were tr- like trying to fight something. Oh, they uh, enter the ship, find the officers, captain, all dead, same story, and eventually find what they believe or who they believe was the uh, person that sent the signal, dead. They start... Huh? I die. I die. I die guy. (laughs) (laughs) He dead. So dead, he couldn't even... I die guy. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't even complete his sentence. (laughs) I die. (laughs) Couldn't even get his grammar straight. Yeah, yeah, he dead. He dead. Um, So they keep exploring the ship. (laughs) Nothing seems to be wrong with it. Eventually, the uh, boarding party and the ship's captain of the Silver Star decide to start towing the ship into another port. So they start to hook up to the Orang Madan. And as they're doing this, there's a smoke that's detected coming from cargo hold four on the ship. And so they start abandoning ship, coming back to the Silver Star, and they unhook themselves from the Orang Madan. And... Immediately after, if not shortly after, there's an explosion heard within the ship. And allegedly, the explosion was so massive that it lifted the ship's entire hull out of the water. And as it exploded, shot up out of the water and then started to sink. While they're there. While the they're boarding there. party. No, the boarding party got off. But they can, they're witnessing they're this. They're witnessing this huh. happen. So they narrowly escape. And now... The other ship, the Orang Madan, has started to sink. Nothing else is known. Nah. And now they cannot find, and they can't find out what happened because all the evidence is gone. Damn. Dude, I, I feel like they're, they were poisoned. Like, if you were forced to come up with a logical explanation, it sounds like some sort of, like, yeah, poison. CO2, something like that. Hmm. Something in the food and the water, maybe. Huh. The dog would have had to have consumed it as well. Hmm. And they would all have to do it at the same time because they all di- died relatively at the same time. Or it has like a... And they weren't alerted that like people a, were dying. Like a clock on it. So huh. like it takes like 48 hours set in or something. Theories. Ooh. Okay. So they do believe that the ship was carrying cyanide that may have leaked, hmm. which would have killed all of the crew. However, it would not have caused all of the crew to die in this, the manner where their eyes wide open, mouths open, just in fear, all the exact same. Huh. 
So that is a theory. Another theory is that this ship, which, by the way, was not found on any shipping logs. What? Kind of a rogue? Kind of a rogue ship. It's 1947? 1947. So this yeah, is I'd after ex- World War II. I'd expect them to keep great records during that time. Well, kind of. <laughs> I mean, they kept, kept great records in uh, Germany. <laughs> <laughs> Lists, you could say. <laughs> Of the Schindler nature. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, okay, yeah, so this is post-World War II. Post-World War II. I feel like just rogue ships weren't that chill back, you know, everyone's kind of aware of each other. (laughs) come from Japan. Oh, okay, I know. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And this ship had supposedly come from a Japanese experiment facility where they had been ex- experimenting with uh, biological weapons. So all the crewmen are Japanese. Uh, I don't know if all the crewmen are Japanese, actually. Mm. Huh. But theory is that whatever had been experimented with in Japan then leaked onto the ship, oh. killing all of the, uh, all of the crew member. Potentially something that kills you by fear. Something. But Japan would come up with that. Apparently, like, in this facility, they... They experimented with soldiers that they caught and would like do stuff like surround, like have people in a circle and then drop a grenade to see what happened. What? So, like, all these kinds of experiments would happen in this facility. They'll watch the ring tape. <laughs> now, I, I just want to go ahead and apologize for Japan's attitude and actions during World War II. Sorry, <laughs> sorry y'all. <laughs> but they changed, you know. They change, they change. Now they have weeaboos. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now, one of the weirdest things to me about this story is roughly 10 years after this event happened, and this letter has recently been released to the public here in the U.S., one of the assistants within the CIA to the director of the CIA wrote a letter to potentially the director of the CIA, but the name has been redacted from this letter that was recently released, saying that... They wondered if what happened on the Orang Madan had something to do with something from the unknown. That's in quotation marks from the letter. Something from the unknown. And this is official CIA. Official CIA. And they believed that what happened on the Orang Madan carried the secret to all of the missing ships and planes in the area. What? That's kind of the trippiest thing to me because it's official letter. Names have been redacted, but... Someone ten years after the fact was still exploring what had happened. Huh. So apparently, like a lot of ships that got missing in that area, ships and planes. Like you hear about, like that. What was it? The Malaysia flight. I don't remember which one, but went missing. Mm-hmm. So weird. Yeah. But they questioned if something from the unknown had something to do with the Orang Madan and all of the missing ships and planes that went missing in the area. Huh. It's weird that you said like the CIA, CIA got involved because I was reading something today about conspiracy theories that were previously ludicrous mm-hmm. but have since been proven true. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was there had always been talks that the CIA had a weapon where they could kill people in a really weird way. And everyone was like, no, nah, that doesn't exist at all. But then the CIA actually demonstrated it. <laughs> and what it is is a gun that can shoot a dart that dissolves and then several hours later, like 24 hours later or something, the person dies of a heart attack. Whoa. So it looks natural. Yeah, I've, uh, I was listening about that uh, on Mysterious Universe. Oh, really? The heart attack gun. 
Wow. And there's other like diseases and I guess and such that they've tried to weaponize through like a firearm. Huh. I do know that uh, England had a weapon where you would die of a flu and it was the tip of an umbrella. And as they walked by, they would... They would do an umbrella, right? Kingsman, (laughs) Mary Poppins. (laughs) Uh, But as they walked by, they would just like touch you with the tip of their umbrella, which would inject you with a tiny bead that had some sort of something on it, and you would die of flu-like symptoms within 24 hours. Well, that reminds me of the interview. (laughs) Yeah, the little strip on the palm. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, CIA, right? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Huh. That's scary. And to this day, like, there's theories about what happened on the Orang Madan, but no one really knows. Huh. Yeah, if that ship was being targeted for information that they had or something that they had on board, like a physical the content, mm-hmm. it just sucks because there are so many innocent people on there. Yeah. So they all died in vain. Like, yeah. I bet you there were people on there who didn't know what the ship was carrying, if it was. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and the thing, too, that is weird is that the fact that it it wasn't on any shipping records. So, like, it could have been a crew of people who knew what was going on. It could have also just been wrong people, wrong place, you know, wrong time. You know what their telegraphs reminded me of? Huh. But cannot hold them for long. The ground shakes. Drums. The way is shut. Run. They are coming. They are coming. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) The minds of Moria. The minds of Moria Gandalf. When he's just like, the crew is dead. (laughs) I am dead. (laughs) Or what does he say? I am dead. I die. I die. die. The the minds of Moria were the I die guy. (laughs) That I die. That's so funny. Wondering if it's like, Tagging your homie in an Instagram meme or comment, just like <laughs> at the 3 a.m. pod. <laughs> LMAO. <laughs> ROFL. I, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of chilling, though, to think that that sailor's last effort was to send a telegraph and he's like, everyone's dying around me. And then he realizes he's dying. And to be able to just like, I don't know, he, in his brain, he knows he's dying and he's just like, I got it. That's yeah. all I can do, you know? Yeah. It just says, I die. It's crazy because if he didn't send that, nobody would have gone looking, and they probably would not have gotten there in time before, before the, the explosion ship blew True. up and sank. Yeah. The ship blowing up, that's suspect. Yeah. So that, maybe someone that on too. that ship was like sent there to get rid of it. Like, well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's possible. The, it's strange that all of the ships in the surrounding area got the message and that the one that made it was this the Silver Star ship. That also, the Silver Star was not on any records because for sure they were covering up, bro. The name of that ship was actually under a different name and had been purchased shortly before setting sail on that voyage. Huh. I wonder if there's another theory. Yeah, I mean, they could be in on it that maybe they got everybody, you know, killed everyone like made the ship explode, planted explosives, or if like all the ships who didn't respawn were in on it and sent that one ship there Ooh. and tried to get them to go down with the ship as well. I don't know. 
Dude, yeah, there's all kinds of things that could be going. It's almost pointless because it's like we're not going to have an answer. There's no closure anyway. But <laughs> but if one of you knows the answers, hit us up at 3 a.m. podcast. Wait, what the <laughs> stories? 3 a.m. podcast stories at gmail.com at or go to our website or link in our, our Instagram. Send us your stories, y'all. Send us your stories. All right. Now, got one more. Dope. Once all of this quarantine is over, where would you guys like to go and travel? Well, Sean and I and my wife and a couple other friends had already planned on going to Guatemala and Belize. Yep. So I wouldn't mind going there. We were going to go to some Mayan ruins, uh, go catch some beaches and foods. It's going to be dope. Yep. Yep. About you, Deej. Well, we've been talking about going to Hawaii as well. Okay. Hells yeah. International? <laughs> Any ideas from you? Uh, I was like, no, Hawaii is like, part of the US. international. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. No place in particular. I lack imagination at the moment. <laughs> I could have swore I was going to get Japan out of one of you. Uh, and I want to go to Japan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, those 5G waves are just <laughs> suppressing my creativity. So this story comes out of Japan from fellow travelers like ourselves from a town called Shikoku, where two backpackers experience one of the most horrific nights of their life in an abandoned (laughs) traditional Japanese home. That's scary. Dude. But when did it happen? 2006. So new and Pretty recent, yeah. And will be for all of you who are on our Patreon. <laughs> so so this guy and his friend are backpacking through Asia. Dope. And they're in Japan on an island. Bro. Japanese horror is scary. Hell yeah. I, I don't I've already said this before and I'll say it again. The grudge to me is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. And most people say it's laughable and not scary at all, but it had such a deep effect on me and my siblings. I don't know why. Probably because my mom's half Japanese, and at <laughs> night, if I saw her walking down the hall, just square I was there. like, Dude, I'm going to jump out a GD window. Uh, it was so scary. I rode home backwards in the car because I couldn't, because we had like a Suburban. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hell, like I couldn't do it. <laughs> you couldn't look at your mom? No, like uh, I actually saw. Okay, so do you want to know the whole story about this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to see The Grudge with my dad and my little sister, Heather. Yeah, this is the one with the attic. Yes. You shared oh, about this. Oh, yeah, yes. dude. So we went and saw it. It freaked all three of us out so thoroughly. And how old are you and your sister? I'm like 13. She's 11 or 12 and your dad's like let's go see this crazy (laughs) crazy horror movie yeah totally uh but he's terrified my little sister's terrified she has to sit up front and i'm in the back with just shadows and demons so i sit backwards like (laughs) like with them behind me facing the back keeper of the back seat and then my mom (laughs) my mom and dad aren't together so my dad goes and drops us off at my mom's and we're like haha see ya (laughs) and he has to go home to a empty house yeah and uh, and he gets Empty home. Family. <laughs> Sorry. He gets home. He goes upstairs and he flicks on his light to his closet, and he looks down, and he sees 
a smattering of insulation on the ground. And he's like, that's weird. Slowly looks up above him to see the attic door is ajar. And there are dusty handprints on the attic door. And insulation is kind of poking through. Almost as if someone had either just come down or went up. And my dad like slammed the door and just took off. I don't even know where he went. He probably went and got (laughs) a hotel hotel for the night. Yeah. He was so scared. And he didn't tell me that for like quite a while. (laughs) And I was like, oh. (laughs) Because what happened was like a day before we went and saw that movie, I was outside at night and I looked up and there was an attic light on. And I was like, what the hell? So I went in my dad's closet, climbed up, went in the attic and turned the light off. And I thought I had left no trace behind. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was all good, but apparently I had dirty hands. And (laughs) I thought you were playing hide and go seek and that that was your hiding spot. No, that was Aiden. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. But why was the light on? I don't know. It had been on since the house was built. There was an attic light on. Always on for years and then you only notice one day and then why not? Yeah, because like th- how I saw it is like a slit in a vent. Oh. And I could see a faint light in the top. And I was like, what the hell? So I went up there. Yeah. But yeah, it had gone undetected for like two years. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I'm trying to buy that light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tonight was fun. I really liked it. Yeah. A lot of random stories. Yeah. Entertaining though. Um, anything else to add? No, not really. I drank goat milk this weekend out of a tea. <laughs> Sean shot it into my mouth from the nipple of a goat. And someone commented on our IG and said, isn't goat milk full of bacteria and E. coli? <laughs> well, and I was like, uh, I hope not, dude. <laughs> I caught a mouthful, dog. <laughs> well, straight milk has to be like pasteurized. Well, and- <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it all the way through, obviously. <laughs> And it seemed like everyone there was pretty chill with that happening. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> so the question is, do we care about Charles Hatch? Okay, I got to see. Hold on. <laughs> um, or, uh, no, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what does it say? Oh, gosh. Raw milk, milk that comes straight from the cow or goat without being pasteurized has been effectively banned in many states because the Food and Drug Administration says it presents a health threat. (laughs) Frick! Yo, it's been like four days, so. So you probably chill. You're probably all right because it was a tiny bit. But uh, I know when my girlfriend's family milk the goats, all they have to do is wait 24 hours. So they put it in the jar, put it in the fridge. They wait 24 hours. They actually strain it first Mm -hmm. to get like hairs out and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, or whatever little bits, itty bitties from the titties. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they strain it, they put it in a jar, and they put it in the fridge 24 hours, and then it's good to drink. They don't have to do anything it's else to it. chill. Yeah, it like pasteurizes itself, huh. but you have to give it time to do so. Yeah, you're probably good, dude. You did not <laughs> give it time. Guys, I'm scared now. <laughs> dude, you're going to be okay. It's been four days. Yeah, dude. I'm just kidding. As I'm re- reading on to, uh, there's like a large group of people who are saying, like, That's no, it's bullshit. actually super beneficial. Yeah. Because when you pasteurize it, you like get rid of a lot of the bacteria that's healthy yeah but i don't know who knows there's also people out there believe the world's flat so whatever (laughs) i can't just dude thanks for your stories tonight i had fun yeah no it was a fun 
sometimes it's fun when we're like all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like sometimes we have like a, we're all on the same theme, and then sometimes it's all over the place. But I love both. So basically, we love everything. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for listening out there, everyone. Thanks for supporting anyway any of our patrons, or even if you just like, listen, rate, review. It all goes a long way. If you want to help us, download our episodes or subscribe on YouTube or become a patron and you get all the extra bonus content. But we love you so much. Um, so everyone out there, bye, love it, be safe. Trust your guy and watch your back. Yo, be careful out there. Thanks, guys. See ya. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, podcast listeners. I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939 when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.